Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. Thank you for you being you. I appreciate you. I know how valuable your time is, but I also honor the fact that you're taking the commitment of this time to up-level yourself, your life, and your business. Today, we're going to talk about some of the building blocks that make for a powerful business. Before I do that, I want to talk to you about a couple of really great opportunities. Number one, I've talked about this a couple of times in the last few weeks. My good friend, multi-billionaire Errol Abramson, has a coaching program available that will blow your mind. Not only does Errol want to do coaching calls with you on a weekly, potentially even a couple of times a week basis, he wants to make himself available to you via email 24-7. Imagine getting mentored by a billionaire. I'm talking about a gentleman who has started and successfully sold off 47 successful companies. 47 successes, no failures. What could his insight do for your business? And the price, the price is so astronomically low, below what so many other people I know. I mean, his price for this, for that level of attention, is as low as what I know most people want to charge for a session or for them to be on stage. It's way less than any of the high-end speakers that I know of would charge to, you know, to give you an hour of their time to speak from your stage. So what I'm telling you is, is if you have any interest in being mentored, go for the best. We can make it available to you. Reach out to me via Facebook. Send me a message. Um, you know, and I would love to be able to hook you up with Errol and really see your business just make that night and day difference. I do have one other announcement that I want to make for you. I'm really excited to have been invented, been invited as one of the speakers at the April 2020 uh, Men's Summit, um, Complete Man Summit. I'm really excited about it. It's going to cover multiple areas in a man's life. Um, you know, those of you that are ladies, in fact, I've heard from so many authors that write books for men that it tends to end up being their wives that bought it for them. Not that the men didn't love it after they got it, but let's be honest, who's the person with the real purchasing power? So even you ladies, you know, it's something that will really help up-level your man. There is nothing more powerful in a relationship than when a complete man shows up in the family. It really makes such a night and day difference. Doesn't discount how powerful. I've talked about moms all the time, um, but there's something to be said 
for a good man. There's even lots of great songs about it. So um, I really do hope that those of you that are interested will um, you know, listen in further as I get links and stuff like that to be able to invite you to join us on the Complete Man Summit coming in April of 2020. Um, you know, here's the thing. We have a life, right? And there are foundational, fundamental elements of living life. And then we have a business. And there are the foundational elements, but then there are the things that we build on to the foundation. So I've told you many, many times, you know, your best seller is as imperative to your life and your business as having a foundation under your house is. As, if you want to use a biblical reference, building your house on the rock and not on sinking sand. It's just one of those concrete, solid, basic structures you need. But there are then building blocks that go on top of that foundation that can really make for a strong and powerful, successful business. And so today I've got a couple of really great guests and we're going to talk to you about some of those building blocks that can really increase the power of your business. Um, it doesn't take much, but it can be really amazing when you learn just a few little tips and tricks on things that you really do want to take care of. Um, most everybody that I know is very passionate about the things we're going to talk about today. Things like uh, good insurance for you and your family, as well as options for your employees. Things like having a brand story that makes sense. You know, not just putting any old message out there, but really having an online presence that is promoting yourself and your business in the way that you want to. Um, you know, those are a couple of the building blocks we'll be talking about today as we go through and we really hopefully light you up on some of the things that you need to now reach over to the tools, to the um, equipment pile, if you will, and add on to your solid foundation of being a best-selling author so that you have a strong, powerful, resist resilient, and growing company. I love it when people's companies are growing. I love going online. You should do hashtag best-selling author success stories. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're not a member of Best Sellers Guild, you may have to ask to join to get to see all of them. But hashtag best-selling author success stories, you know, as hashtags work, it's all one word, even though it's multiple words that make up that big long tag. Um, you know, so no spaces in it best-selling author success stories. There are some super cool, exciting things that authors are doing in the world, traveling around the country, making a difference in people's lives, being on TV, radio, internet, the podcasts, guest speakers, keynote speakers, putting on events, changing people's lives for the better. I love being involved with that. And I really do love being part of Best Sellers Guild and seeing you grow, seeing people's businesses build, take the building blocks, the guests from this show, the things that come 
the doors that get open to you when you are now a best-selling author and really truly dynamically building an explosively exciting business it's it's so cool to be part of and I really I really thank all of you for the honor to get to be a little piece of that both here on the show bringing you people or when I do Facebook lives and I talk to you just some of the things from my heart um, or of course when we help people become best-selling authors it's really really cool to see what can come what can be built on the foundation of that um, the nicest part about our business building if you will is that unlike a normal structure you know you build it to a certain height and then it just stays that way you can continue to build and build and build your business now and we've had previous guests like billionaire Errol, Errol Abramson who will tell you that you need to already predefine what is your exit what is your plan with the company are you going to take it public are you going to sell it to another company what are those kind of things but even after your baby is birthed out into the world and it's grown to the point where you sold it it's still gonna have the potential to keep growing isn't that exciting I mean isn't it cool when we look at our kids and we see them um, and now they're grown adults for those of you that your children are the age like mine are now and you see them out there in the world and and sure they have struggles right you know we still have struggles at our age course they're having struggles in their 20s and their 30s um, you know but it's fun to also see the really cool things that are happening in their lives right isn't that exciting you know <laughs> it's so fun my daughter Amber many of you know her um, you know she Facebook popped up a thing that said it was our five-year friend anniversary. You know, I was there when Amber was born. I remember that day very, very, very well. Um, and there's a whole long story behind that. We won't get into that right now. But um, <laughs> I remember that day. You know, but according to Facebook, we've been friends for five years now, <laughs> right? Um, but it's so fun, you know, because Amber will post pictures from way back when she was just a little tiny baby, um, you know, my my little Amber, um, and then to see her, and now her kids are getting so big, too. Um, you know, I just want to put bricks on all of their heads and make them smaller, right? Um, but it's, it's cool to get to watch them grow, and the same thing is true with your business. It's really cool to get to see each new building block make that business bigger and bigger. My hope for you is that this business that is your baby that you birthed out of the world, that at some point it grows even bigger than you could even imagine. Remember, here's going to come third generation minister Steve for just a second. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even think. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a very, very good imagination. So if it's exceedingly abundantly above all of that, wow, 
talk about limitless potential. I really hope you can grab a hold of that. I hope that you have pen and paper, that you're ready to learn some stuff today, that you're ready to really grow and advance your life and your business as we look at a couple of the basic building blocks that'll take your little business to a whole new level as you make use of them. So if you're ready to take the next step in your journey of being a thriving entrepreneur, let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back with our awesome guests here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about some building blocks that can and will make your business better. The question of health insurance may be one of the biggest problems, let's just put it that way, that all of us face, whether we're in business or not. Um, it's, it's a huge thing right now. And there are some opportunities for both individuals as well as small business owners. I don't know anything about it, but I've got the man here that can help us out. Join me in welcoming Thomas Rock Lindsay as he talks to us about health insurance. Thomas, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Steve. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So give us just a little insight into who you are and what got you into the arena of healthcare solutions. Yeah, well, I am a by by trade and an hr insurance um expert so i've been in this industry since 1993 in what's called the professional employer organization industry it's where we take over you know the role of an employer for small and mid-sized businesses businesses to help them comply with all of the um regulatory uh, laws that they have that they face as an employer. So we do payroll HR, employee benefits, work comp insurance, workplace safety, etc. I've done that for, like I said, since 1993. And then in 2016, I decided to uh, switch gears and go into the sales side of the business. And uh, during that process, um, I went from being, you know, the COO of a large uh, company to working for myself and uh, went out uh, looking for health insurance. And I was shocked at what 
I found uh, how unaffordable, uh, how poor a value uh, the whole that it was, you know, I, I uh, actually went uh, uninsured for a little while as a result because it was so ridiculously expensive. Um, so that kind of put me on the path of trying to find uh, an, a solution. And um, I ran into my old uh, business partner and uh, he introduced me to a concept called medical cost sharing. And, um, you know, me being an insurance guy, I, I thought, oh, that's, that's nice, but, you know, it's not insurance and you shouldn't, you know, you, you shouldn't go without health insurance. Well, you know, the, the, the cost pressures kind of got me uh, thinking that, Hey, this is, I at least should give this a chance. I should dig into it, find out more about it, which I, I dove in. I, I spent, you know, 10 months, you know, really learning everything I could about it. And um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it turns out to be, actually a lifesaver. Um, it's actually a tremendous value, extremely affordable, and it's uh, just one of the many ways that we're able to kind of disrupt the status quo in health insurance uh, and, you know, bring an affordable solution to, to the masses. Uh, so that kind of became our you know, we partnered up on on the concept and, be, and it became the uh, a business for us so we're we actually have a product called pure health and um, and it's a medical cost sharing uh, solution and um, that we're bringing to entrepreneurs small business owners kind of to help them solve that affordability dilemma which you know I originally set out to solve for myself so that's how I got here. So especially these days, health insurance is so convoluted, but it sounds like you have an elegant solution. Um, let's start off with some of the basics. Explain medical cost sharing to somebody who maybe doesn't know what it is. Yeah. So medical cost sharing is a non-insurance way for you to get access to affordable healthcare. So, you know, insurance is just kind of one way to, to pay for healthcare, right? Um, this is another way. This is a, it's a, a community of uh, individuals who get together and agree to share in each other's medical expenses. And it's been happening for a long time in the, in, in the, uh, religious realm with uh, health health sharing ministries, and these have been around for for about thirty years and have been working um, extremely well, serving the various uh, members of different uh, religious organizations. And it's that that same concept that um, we're using today, except the particular health share that we're representing is um, not religious based um, but it's uh, just a community of like-minded people that have you know come together and agreed to help each other with the medical expenses so i there's some parallels you know obviously with insurance so you know with with health insurance you have um, an insurance company with medical cost sharing you have a community of individuals uh, with health insurance you pay a monthly premium 
Um, with medical cost sharing, you pay a monthly membership fee. And then um, on the health insurance side, when you buy health insurance, you get a policy of insurance, right? And you're actually transferring risk to the insurance company. And with medical cost sharing, there is no transfer of risk. The communities, uh, you're still on the hook as an individual, but you have the, the community there to help cover those expenses. And, and it's all shared in accordance to the membership guidelines. So that's you know, the policy on the one side, the membership guidelines on the other side. And then uh, kind of the last analogy I'll make is with the, uh, the deductible, for example, you know, with health insurance, you have a, a deductible of, you know, whether that's 2,500 or $3,000 or even $5,000. On the medical cost share side, you have uh, what's referred to as an initial unshareable amount. So that's the amount that you would pay towards each medical need before the expenses are, are shareable among the community. So there's some parallels, um, but the main difference is that it's actually not insurance in the legal sense, right? There's no transfer of risk to a third party. Um, the risk is, you know, remains with you and the community is there then to, to help as um, according to the membership guidelines and and uh, as the community is able based on the financial um, condition of the community, so. Okay, so for most people, uh, you know, their general understanding of, you know, insurance is going to the doctor. You know, you go to the doctor for a checkup, what have you. You give them their insur your insurance card, and then you either have to pay your copay up front or they bill you, whichever it is. Um, you know, for just basic, you just go to the doctor. Is it the same kind of a thing? Um, it's a little different. Um, so let's say that you're just going for um, a, a checkup or you know, you're going to see your primary care physician, right? And you, with insurance, you go, and like you said, there's a copay for that visit, whether it's $35, somewhere in that range. And then the, the um, physician's office bills the insurance company and then they pay whatever it is that they agreed to pay based on the network pricing arrangement. Uh, with medical cost sharing, uh, you are a cash pay patient and uh, that you would pay for that visit yourself only if the expense for that visit exceeded your IUA, let's say it was you, you decided that you were going to choose a $500 IUA. So unless that, that visit cost more than $500, you would, you would pay 100% of it yourself. So for, for basic, you know, regular office visits to the primary care physician, you know, this doesn't ever really kick in. It's not until the you reach that that um, threshold for the for the IUA. So, on the flip side, let's say that you um, you have a child and they have an ear infection, and you go into the pediatrician, and then there's a specialist visit, and then a surgery to insert tubes and some follow-up visits, etc. Something like that would probably end up costing around. $3,000. And if you're on a large deductible health plan, 
you would probably be paying most of that yourself. Whereas if you were in uh, a medical cost share arrangement and you had chosen that $500 IUA, then you would pay the total experience would cost you 500 and the rest would be um, shared among the community. So uh, there are, you know, if you have lots of primary care visits throughout the year and lots of different individual medical needs that don't, don't reach the, the IUA, um, then you're, you're going to spend less out of pocket with your insurance with the copay. But if you have a larger need, like a car accident or the, uh, the child with the ear infections or a broken leg or any number of, of emergency issues, you're going to end up paying a lot less out of pocket through a uh, medical cost share arrangement than you would with your um, conventional health insurance. So uh, it's kind of, uh, you got to do that analysis and compare. Um, but yeah, you're, you're a self-pay patient and that's um, how you present yourself to whatever provider you go to see. And then um, you, once you're, you, you, you try not to pay anything more than your IUA and then have them bill you for the difference. And then you submit those to the community and then they'll send you the money and then you pay the provider. So it's not that um, traditional method of, you know, just go to, go to the hospital, throw down your, your insurance card, pay your out-of-pocket expense, um, and um, they bill the insurance company. So there's a little bit more work involved, but you're going to save a lot of money in the long run, um, especially just in the monthly uh, difference between the monthly membership fee and the, month, and the insurance premium, right? Um, when I when I made the switch, I went from seventeen hundred and fifty dollars down to about uh, five five hundred and sixty dollars in terms of my monthly expense. So that's a huge savings uh, month over month, and that can pay for a lot of primary care office visits. So if I if I understand you correctly, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. The upside is is that anything major that happens, um, it's going to pretty well be covered by the community. The downside is is that for little, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollar things, you're basically going to cover it yourself. The advantage being is is that you paid so much less each month that you can have that money in your own bank account instead of the insurance companies. Yeah, exactly. You can afford to do that. And there's, there's other solutions too, like direct primary care memberships. You know, um, I don't know if you've heard of those, um, but physicians all across the country are, you know, leaving the normal practice of where they have to, where they see patients who have insurance and they have to bill insurance companies and there's a whole huge administrative workload associated with that. Um, so physicians are getting frustrated and have been for a long time. But now what's happening is they're, they're leaving that environment, starting their own practice, which is membership-based and not insurance 
carrier reimbursement based, right? Um, so they're called direct primary care practices. They don't take insurance. They just, they have members and you, you join as an individual or a family and you pay a flat monthly amount and you get unlimited primary care. Um, in fact, there's one near me where I think it's like $135 for a family and uh, you just, you basically, you, you join a primary care practice as a member and you get uh, uh, much better treatment because your office visits are longer. Um, you, you know, you're a member, right? You're, you're part of that, uh, that primary care physician's practice and family um, instead of just a, uh, you know, an, in, uh, an insurance based customer where they've got to see uh, a, a high number of you every, every day in order to pay all the expenses. So you combine the two of those. Exactly. Um, and the, the, the sharing one is going to cover hospitalization, those kind of things. And then the membership is just your day-to-day -day stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You've got the primary care membership for, for all the, what it, what it essentially ends up being, you know, maybe 75 or 80% of all your medical care anyway. Um, it all kind of falls within that primary care or, you know, urgent care, i.e. colds and, you know, the normal stuff. Right. And then you have the medical cost share arrangement, like you said, for the, for the surgeries and for the hospitalizations and for the big emergencies. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of nuances to this and it would be really helpful to have somebody kind of help you through it. Um, so what can you do to help people? What would be a way that they could reach out to you and have you, you know, walk them through all the landmines that are obviously out there for this? <laughs> yeah, we have a, um, a website is uh, got pure health. It's G O T pure health.com. And uh, you can go there and get in touch with us. You can um, schedule a, a call um, and uh, or send us an email. We're, we're uh, here to help in any way we can. It's kind of our mission, you know, to kind of, we're, we're, we're on a, we are uh, de de determined, <laughs> this is the word I'm looking for, to solve this health insurance affordability dilemma for, um, you know, entrepreneurs and, and small business owners, you know, the self-employed, because uh, that was, that was a situation I found myself in after leaving a, a big corporate job. And um, yeah, so we, that's what we're all about. Um, GotPureHealth.com. Uh, you can also connect with me on, on LinkedIn and we're on Facebook as well under GotPureHealth. That is awesome. Thomas Rock Lindsay, um, and you can get a hold of him at gotpurehealth.com. Thomas, I appreciate you spending so much time here with us on the show today. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I found myself after talking with this wonderful guest, um, I was actually doing some research and rethinking what can I do, both for myself, but also for the uh, potential future employees in the company. I hope that you got some great ideas of some things that here in 2020 are possible that even a year or two ago 
wouldn't have been such a strong and viable option. And I hope that in that you will find what works best for you. Because ultimately, building your business and using some of these building blocks is a big step towards living your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. In the last segment, we were talking about health insurance and options for yourself, for your family, possibly even for the contractors and employees in your company to help them stay fit and well as, as well, right? Um, and so now in this segment, we wanna jump into a couple other of the building blocks that really truly make our business strong and can help us build that powerful structure, that thing that we dream of. Are you ready for more? Hope you're ready to take some notes. Let's go. Many of us know that we want to start a business, but we've been conditioned to believe that until you go out and you do a large round of venture capital funding or you do a huge Kickstarter campaign, there's no way you can even get started in business. Today, I've got a great guest that's going to help us figure out how there are opportunities everywhere and how you can connect to your opportunity right now today. Join me in welcoming Prady Tawari. Hey, Prady, how are you doing today? Hey, it's going fantastic. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background and what got you started in business. Absolutely. So um, my background and probably why I'm on this show is that I started a business very early on in, in my college days. When I was 18 years old, I started my first business. And um, it was um, a business that I had started, you know, really no, uh, not a lot of knowledge or experience or, you know, not a lot of fun, any funding at all. And I was able to scale that business to a point where I was able to sell that business, which was my first business ever that I incorporated. And that story of me starting a business, scaling a business, hiring people, kind of traveled across, you know, across campus and also became part of my personal brand. And over time, I have done this several times and been able to make a career out of scaling small businesses and, and, and then really bringing them to, to the next level. And, uh, after college, I went to law school and I focused a lot of my attention on, on startup law. And uh, today, um, I own several businesses and uh, yeah, I'm on a mission to um, impart this knowledge to a lot of people 
people who feel like when they speak about entrepreneurship, it's about, you know, trying to have to raise a ton of money or having all the answers. Um, and you know, you have to be super well funded. And I want to explain to people that there's a lot of opportunity that they can capitalize on. And what entrepreneurship really is, is about using your resources and stretching them as far as possible, but also trying to think about certain key elements, which every person can do that doesn't cost any money to think about how and, and when and where and why they should start their business that, that's going to propel them towards success. And that's what I want to share. So with the businesses you've started, um, what is probably the number one uh, thing that comes up in people's minds why they don't jump into business quicker, sooner, faster? I think the biggest thing is that people want to start tomorrow and they feel they need to have all the answers. So when it comes to business, just like in anything in life, right? People feel, okay, well, this is not the right time or I don't have enough money or I don't have enough information. Um, and I think this is this over um, analysis that causes a lot of paralysis, right? So you have people that created the business plans, they do the brainstorming, they go to the networking events, but they just don't pull the trigger. And you know, in life, you'll always learn more by jumping in the game than watching from the sidelines. And so one thing that stops people is like they feel afraid to just start. Um, and there's a lot to be said about, you know, talking about starting a business um, and why they don't is that why is there a fear? Because I feel like they feel, you know, it's a lot of risk. I mean, starting a business is a lot of risk. You're going to spend a good majority of your time, um, you know, building this business. And if it's a business that goes well and if you succeed, then chances are it's going to be probably one of the only things you're going to do in your life. So you have to like it and it's a big risk. And I think a lot of people feel, well, you know, I don't know if I'm totally ready for this risk yet. So let me just do a little more research. Let's let me talk to a few more people. Let me get a little bit more money. Um, and then over time, unfortunately, you know, you, you haven't really garnered any experience and you get better at business by doing business. Like you get better at a bench press in the gym by bench pressing. You get better at a deadlift by deadlifting. Like you have to go through the motions and there's only so much you can learn from, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books. I'm all about that. I think you should be educated, but at some point you're going to have to take action. It's so important to, to, to step into, step into the court. So what would be the low hanging fruit kind of things for somebody who doesn't have a lot of previous business experience there would be some examples of kind of businesses that they could just jump into right now. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's so much opportunity around us. Um, one of the things um, with e-commerce um, there's Amazon, there's eBay. Um, and, and I think the big takeaway from this is there's a business that you can start literally everywhere. Um, and, and, and when you ask people, what's the most important thing? Is it raising capital? Is it um, having the right team? Is it the right product? And to be frank, all those things are important. And depending on who you ask, they'll give you different you know, answers. If you ask engineers, they'll say, well, the product is everything. If you ask the mainstream media, they'll say it's your team. Like you have to have a great team because that makes great stories, right, in the press. But if you ask me from all the, the years I've been doing this and now even investing in companies, the most important thing to think about is, is there a market for what you're trying to solve? Because you can have the best employees, the, the most amount of money, you can have the, the, you know, really a killer product with all the features, but if there's no market for it, then there's no business. And that's really important. So the business that you should start is a business where you feel like there's a big enough market and there's actually market demand for what you're building. And number two, it's a business that's easily accessible to you. So what I would mean by that is you have some sort of insight 
you have some sort of knowledge that other people who are trying to build solutions for that in, in that market, they just don't have that unique insight. They just don't understand it really. Maybe you have some insight or industry experience that current people are not incorporating in their solutions right now. Um, and those are the types of businesses that I think people should start. Like for me, it was in health and fitness and in dietary supplements. Like I was always into, into training and working out. And when I combined that with my entrepreneurial knowledge, I was able to build a lot of very strong businesses because I had an in into that business. I knew that market, but I was also able to see it in somewhat different light than any of the others were seeing it. Um, and they were incorporating their solutions. And so, you know, you're asking what's the low hanging fruit. The low hanging fruit is number one, find something where there is actually a market. Like people actually want your, your products. And number two, find something that you're passionate about, but not only about it's being a hobby, but do you have a unique perspective or a worldview about this specific solution that no one else has? And if that's the case, then, you know, it's, it's worth a try. Mm, that's really great insight. So, um, so I, pick a niche, I do a little research, find out that, you know, there are people interested in it, and then I'm ready to get started. What, um, you know, what should day one look like? What's most important? <clears throat> yeah, so the, the most important thing uh, to figure out is, okay, so you have a market, you say, okay, people care about this product. So there's a couple things that, that, that I always ask is, number one, how many people have this, have this problem? Number two, is do people know that they have this problem? <laughs> Number three is if they know they have this problem, how much are they spending to solve this problem? And number four, how often do they have this problem? So if you have a, a problem that you're solving that not a lot of people have, or a lot of people have, but they don't really think it's a problem, or they, they think it's a problem, but if you ask them, hey, would you pay 20 bucks for it? They'd be like, no, I would maybe only pay five bucks for it. Or if they have a problem only like once a year or like once every seven years, let's say for example, uh, buying a car in America on average, like people buy a car every four to seven years. So it's not a problem that people generally have. So websites that allow you to buy cars are pretty, pretty bad <laughs> because there's not a lot of innovation there because they don't have, people don't have that problem on a consistent basis. So should you start a, a company where people can buy cars on web, uh, websites where people can buy cars? I mean, it might not be the best idea because people don't have that problem very frequently. Um, so you have to answer that those set of questions. Um, and I think where, where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong sometimes, even beginning ones, especially beginning ones, we think that we can create market demand. Like we can uh, generate desire. And there's a lot of things in life that you can negotiate. Negotiation is a good thing. Like you can negotiate better salaries, like you can negotiate better terms and deals and business negotiation is important. But there's a couple things in life you can negotiate and one of them happens to be desired. It's either there or it's not. And so by building the best product ever in the world, like you can't generate desire. If people don't want it, they don't want it. So all what you can do as a business owner, as an entrepreneur is to satisfy that desire in a more, most efficient manner possible for your consumers. That's all you can do. You can't create, like you don't create market demand. Like Facebook didn't tell people, Hey, go and uh, connect with your friends and family members and care what your, your, your peers are doing. People already did that for thousands of years or Uber didn't tell people, Hey, travel from point A to B. People are already traveling for, for so long, right? So they didn't create new uh, market desires to just satisfy them more efficiently than ever before. So I guess those are the range of questions that I would, would, would first start asking and then say you have identified a niche and you say, okay, I want to go all out. The first thing that you should do is you should build 
a very basic, basic product, just a viable product, and you have to get it out there. You have to launch. And the minute you launch, you need to be a ninja on talking to your customers. If you ever get stuck in life, in your business, and you don't know what to do, it doesn't mean you need to hire consultants. You don't have to watch every podcast, uh, every YouTube or listen to every podcast, whatever. Talk to your customers. And the business owners that talk to their customers and have a direct link to their customers for every iteration, they'll be the ones to succeed. So my answer to your question is find a viable market. Once you find a viable market, um, launch, build something viable and launch as quickly as possible. And then last thing is talk, talk, talk to your customers all the time. I have a system, even my businesses right now, we have thousands and thousands upon customers. I talk to at least 50 to 60 customers every week. Every week I schedule a call with them on my Calendly. Um, and that's really important to me because I know when I have to iterate in the next product, I know exactly what they're looking for. Mm, that's good stuff. So um, a person listening that really wants to jump in with this, um, I know you gave us some really great advice, but just narrow it down to one thing. What is the number one first thing that a person should do right now after they stop listening to this recording to, um, to really get started in their business? Yeah, uh, this is, I, I, love, I love this question because I always want people to take something away and apply right away. So the first thing you should do is you should ask yourself, okay, do you want to be an entrepreneur? It's a whole different topic whether you want to do it or not. So you decide, yes, this is for me. The first thing after that you should do is throw away all of your own biases about what you like and what you don't like. Stop thinking about yourself. Like you don't matter. What matters is your customers. So start thinking, what market do you want to tackle? And the first thing you should do is to figure out whether people actually care about the problem that you want to solve. And that's the first thing. You should be obsessed with market. Market comes first, team and product comes second. And people forget about this. They build products for markets that don't really care or kind of care. And what we see in America is for a lot of small businesses, they have products for people that people kind of care about. And they will do well when the economy is great. But when the economy is kind of eh, like they don't, the, the businesses don't really do well or they don't continue to scale because it's not a product that people really need in their life. So try to find out what is it that people really need in, in, in their life. Go on, if you want to start something on Amazon, go on Amazon and look at what products are really crushing it. Which ones are people really need? It's probably going to be something about focus. Like people need to be focused because they got to go to work. Is it going to be an accessory product that people really need and tackle those things. When you have a small company, it's better. Are you better off um, talking to customers and telling them about a problem they don't really have? Or is it better off talking to them about a problem they know they really have, they're suffering from, they're, 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 they're basically mixing two, three solutions together to try to solve it. And you come there and say, hey, you have this problem, I have a better solution for it. And the latter is the better way. And what most startups do is they're, they're very, they think, okay, I'm going to create a, a product for a problem people don't really have, but if I have a good enough product, you know what, what's going to happen? Well, people are going to adopt my, 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 uh, my product and it doesn't work that way. So the first step right now, once you decide to be an entrepreneur is go look at solutions in, in markets where there's a massive need. You need to, there is something that I call where you have to solve problems <laughs> thinking like 
someone's hair is on fire, right? So if, you, if you're standing next to someone on the street right now and their hair gets on fire, you know what the first thing they're going to do is that if you give them a, a, a perfect solution, which is a hose full of water, they would use it. If you give them a brick, which is a very bad solution to, to put out fire, they'd also use it. They'd smash their head with a brick. You know why? Because they have a dire need and they will choose any viable solution. And when, a, when you're a startup, you can build the best products. You're not going to have the best uh, and the most fancy things in the world because you don't have that money. So you want to go to markets where people have a massive need because they have a massive need. You're more likely to adopt your solution because they don't, they're not picky at that point. It's not a luxury problem at that point. When it's a luxury problem, that's where big, big, big brands should go because they have the, the money and the R&D to do so. For a small company, if you're just starting out, you want to have a small business, you want to become an entrepreneur and scale the company, solve very, very, very important needs, like pressing needs that people have. And it's an urgency in their life. And you'll notice that it becomes easier to acquire customers. You have to do less uh, uh, convincing and your cost of customer acquisition is going to be much lower when you're trying to convince someone, hey, I have something to put fire out in your hair. They're going to be like, yeah, give it to me right now. They're not going to question you. If you're going to try to solve, uh, give them something for a problem that they don't really have, they're going to question you. The customer service is going to have massive amount of questions. Your cost of customer acquisition is going to be high and you will run out of money. That is amazing stuff. I really appreciate it. Prady, how can people who need your help that want to go deeper with you, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So what people can do is they can look me up. So my full name is Prady Tewari, as you listed. It's P-R-A-D-Y-T-E-W-A-R-I-E. They can look me up, um, look me up in Google. I have an Instagram uh, page and on there I answer uh, one, of my one of my companies, Seeking Asset, which is linked in my account, I answer questions almost every single day on Instagram so people can ask a question. You'll also find my email address uh, on there. Um, on my Instagram, you can press email and you can send me an email. And I try to respond as often as I can. Usually once a day, I respond to all my emails. So if people have questions about scaling, about life, about business, about getting started, definitely, definitely ask me. Um, and I have, uh, I'm doing that uh, on a daily basis on my Instagram. I answer questions all the time. I take everyone's questions. So um, definitely feel free to, to, to reach out. Brady, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much. It was a, a pleasure to be on and I really appreciate the platform, man. More great tips and advice to be able to really truly help us really build on that foundation of our bestseller and become more of the business that we dreamt of being so that we can thrive. We can live as thriving entrepreneurs we can thrive in our life and our business. I hope you already feel like you're at that place. And I hope that each time we bring you a guest, it can help up-level you just a little bit and move you even closer to living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. 
All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to our episodes today as we help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. I'm so glad to have you here on the show with us today. Thriving Entrepreneur is really intended, and hopefully it hits the mark, of bringing you successful business people, best-selling authors, people who have an idea that can help you or spark your own idea and allow you to really thrive. Uh, I love that word thrive. I, I love when, um, you know, way back, I was looking through, uh, you know, a thesaurus, I think, actually, at uh, powerful words, and the word thrive just jumped off the page, um, you know, and so I've never regretted. I always love having a show called Thriving Entrepreneur. Um, I love our website, wehelpyouthrive.com. Um, and I really hope that you're thriving. See, here's the thing. Thriving is individual. It's for each of us. Um, what's great for one person, you know, would be just absolute misery for another. Um, and, and the thing about it is, is, is that the thing that that person that's miserable with your greatness finds joyful, you would probably find it miserable. It's the problem we run into when we try to begin to classify our thriving by somebody else's life. We try to quantify our success by looking at what someone else has done. You see, in the end, whatever somebody else has accomplished has absolutely no bearing on your life. I've shared it with you before. I'll tell you again. At the end of the race of life, when you cross the finish line, it will be you who breaks the tape. You will be the winner of your life. There's nobody else that's going to pass you, outshine you, and somehow win the race of your life. It'll be you there at that finish line. Now the question is, how great of a victory do you want that to be? Do you want it to be one of those victories that people talk about for years? I love it sometimes, you know, I'll be flipping through channels on the TV and a new show will come out. And For the most part, I really kind of like non-realistic when I'm watching television, um, you know, kind of escapism. But... I also really love victory stories based on a real story. You know, things like Remember the Titans and other ones. Uh, Miracle, you know, the one about the, I think it was 1984 Olympic hockey team. Times when people just beat all of the odds and shined because they were them. They gave up on the concept of trying to be just like somebody else and they just embraced themselves. 
I think of the movie Cool Runnings about the Jamaican bobsled team and about how hard they tried to be just like the Germans. And they discovered that they were never going to be successful until they let in the inner core of who they were. Now, I don't know any of them personally, so I don't know if what the movie shared with me, how close to reality it really is. But what I do know is that it was extremely inspiring. What I do know is that like when Derek Redman was on the show with us, when we were working on his book, those kind of things, that Derek can share with you as an Olympian what it's like to have that dream and then have to learn how to, through adversity, shine and be the best you, no matter what anybody else around you is saying. That's what I want for you. Because when you embrace that, then, then you truly are a thriving entrepreneur. You may work a nine to five job. You're still a thriving entrepreneur because you are thriving in the endeavor that you know is fulfilling the heart and soul and core of who you are and what you were meant to do in the world. I hope you're clear on that. If for some reason you're lacking clarity, if you're lacking clarity in who you are at your core, not I'm so-and-so's kids and I went to such and such school, but who you are, what you're meant to do, or who you're meant to serve, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. You can go to AskSteveKid.com um, and schedule a time. We can talk about your book or we can just help you get clear about what your most powerful next is. Because what I know is, is that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. There's no greater delight in my life than when I can help a person reframe what they thought was an obstacle and see the possibility in it and to come out from that and thrive, to have clarity on who they are, what they're meant to do and who they're meant to serve. I would love to take that journey with you. Please feel free to reach out to me, askstevekid.com, or join us in the Best Sellers Guild. You know, bestsellersguild.com, a group of people who would love to have you as part of your, our family. We appreciate you. We see the value in you. We're here every day to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.